All right. Hey, good morning. Every time I preach, I like have to run farther from the back to the front, so that's pretty awesome. So good morning. My name's Josh Lindman. I'm the intern pastor here and at Hope Ankeny, and it's great to be here this morning as my notes fall down. Uh, so would you pray with me as we get started today? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for the opportunity to gather together here this morning. Thanks for the opportunity uh, to hear the Christmas story told by the kids. And God, I just pray that that story would be at the forefront of our mind this morning, the forefronts of our hearts, that we could remember anew that you are a God that keeps your promises and shows up just in time. Amen. So, uh, this morning I want to start with a little bit of community time. So, you might have done this before. We're going to just, it'll be a chance for you to meet a few people around you, one person. Maybe it's um, somebody that you don't know. So, it's an easy question though. Don't worry, introverts out there, I promise. I want to do this too. It's, it's relatively painless. So, here's the question What's one thing you love about the Christmas season? Okay, so maybe it's family traditions, maybe it's the food that you get to enjoy during the holiday season, the extra excuses to eat those cookies and whatnot. Um, Maybe it's the carols that you get to sing or the songs you get to listen to on the radio. It really is the most wonderful time of the year, right? Right? Anybody else? Who else listens to Christmas music in the radio, in the car? Yeah? Yeah? I had to do that the first time it snowed. Otherwise, it was just going to be so sad the whole Christmas season. I'm from Florida, and so it's, it's yeah, the Christmas music lifted my spirits. So, so everybody got something in mind, that one thing that you could share with somebody that you love about the Christmas season? Yeah, maybe? Maybe? So we're going to stand up. You can stand up, and you're going to introduce yourself to one other person and just share one thing that you love about Christmas, okay? Just take a minute, all right? All right, so... Hello, back up here in the front. How's it going? All right. Well, I'm glad you all enjoyed that. Um, And the hope is you can continue talking now. You've got somebody you can talk to after the service, right? So so there you go. That's my Christmas gift to you this morning. Uh, So how many other people's favorite thing about Christmas includes food of some kind? Just a few people. I'm surprised. So like Whitey's peppermint ice cream. Has anybody ever had that? Whitey's peppermint ice cream. Yes, okay, there we go. A few, a few rounds of applause. All right. If you haven't had it, apparently they even have it in the hy here. It's a Quad Cities thing, uh, but so it's great, though. So um, I grew up in Florida, and um, Christmas is a little bit different down there. So I was talking with a family at Hope Ankeny last weekend, and they were telling me about how they were going to go get a Christmas tree and, like, cut down their own Christmas tree at this Christmas tree farm. And in my mind, I just see, like, People, they're like, they get on a sleigh and there's reindeer that carry them through this Christmas tree farm and, you know, the wintry wonderland, it's snowing and it's just like this magical time. In Florida, unfortunately, we don't have that kind of experience because it's usually like 97 degrees outside, it's humid, it's raining, and the Christmas tree farm is the parking lot of the Publix grocery store in town. So, not quite the same kind of feel, uh, but there are some benefits to living in Florida for Christmas and one of them uh, is you'll see in this picture here. So my friends and I had this tradition of going to Walt Disney World. I lived in Orlando. And so we would go to Walt Disney and we'd go hotel hopping and look at the Christmas decorations at the different resorts at Disney. And it was just this great time. We'd we'd start and it's free. So this was always a good thing. Like Disney and free hardly ever go together. So 
So we'd start at the Polynesian Resort, and you'd get to watch from the shores of the Polynesian Resort the fireworks at Magic Kingdom, you know, in like shorts and maybe a light jacket because it's cold because it's in the 70s. Um, And then you'd get on the monorail and you'd go to the Contemporary Resort, you'd look at the lights there, and then you'd go to the Grand Floridian, and that was like the best part because this beautiful, huge Christmas tree and this life-size gingerbread house and a jazz band playing Christmas songs and... It's just a great time to spend with friends, and it's a tradition we try to continue even to today. It really is the most wonderful time of the year. Except maybe when it's not. I was talking with my girlfriend uh, this week about the sermon, and she lives in South Carolina, so we do a lot of talking on the phone right now. And uh, she was telling me that I should check out this blog post by a friend of hers named Ashley Dickens. Ashley's kind of reflecting on some Christmas memories, and so I go and I check out the blog post, and she shares this story of how she would get up at like 3 a.m. on Christmas morning, and she'd wake up her two brothers, and they'd go and huddle in her bedroom, and they'd wait until 5 was when apparently her parents said that they could come and wake them up. So they'd wait till 5, they'd go wake up their parents, they'd drag them downstairs to the Christmas tree, so excited about Christmas, and then... Her dad would read the Christmas story. They'd open presents. It was a great time. But this year, all of those memories are different for her because this year in February, her younger brother died of cancer. And so Ashley writes this, Every carol, every wreath, every snowflake reminds me of a little brother who I will never wake up on Christmas morning again. And so I sit with my nose pressed to the glass watching happy families revel in the magic of the season as I ache and try to muddle through somehow. Some of you might be thinking right now, like, wow, intern, great job lifting everybody's holiday spirits. Like, whoa, A plus for you. And I'm sorry, and I don't mean to drag you down today. I don't mean to bum you out. We did have the kids, so hopefully your spirits are still pretty high from that. But As we continue this series called A New Kind of Christmas, I just want us to be able to realize that Christmas isn't the most wonderful time of the year for everybody. And for those of you out there today, I want to give you permission to muddle through. I want to give you permission to be okay not being okay. But I also want you to know that you're not alone. And... For those of us who Christmas is a happy time of year, I want you to not let the joy of the season blind you to the pain and suffering around you and your friends and your family, your coworkers. And I want to make sure that the joy of the season doesn't make you unwilling to enter into the brokenness that this holiday season can bring. Ashley goes on to write, You see, I think Christmas belongs to broken people sitting on the outside. Oh, we aren't the ones laughing, and you might not catch us at a cookie swap, but we're the ones that most acutely understand how desperately we are in need of good news. I am deeply, profoundly, unspeakably thankful that this Christmas season there is hope. Listen to this. A weary world can rejoice because in the midst of our pain, Emmanuel, God with us, came. 
just as he promised he would. Now, our scripture reading this morning transports us to another weary world, two millennia and thousands of miles away from Des Moines here. But it's a weary world that probably looks somewhat similar to today. A lot of waiting, a lot of people waiting for all kinds of things. The people of Israel were waiting for a Messiah. For 500 years or so, they had been waiting for this Messiah that had been promised this great king that would come back and would reign over the kingdom of Israel that had 500 years ago fallen and the people scattered in all kinds of directions. And now the people are waiting in land that was occupied by the Roman Empire. And so a Messiah that would come and rescue his people was looking like an option that was farther and farther from reality. Undoubtedly, there were some people that probably had given up and turned to other gods at this point. But for those who remained faithful to the God of Israel, this nagging question remained, How long, O Lord, will you forget your people forever? This nagging question, will God do what he said he would? And so enter into this whole story, Mary, this teenage mother, And she just, days before, got the news that she was going to be pregnant, and not just pregnant, but pregnant with the Son of God. Uh, So, you know, no big deal, though. Do not be afraid, the angel says. Now, I personally do not have any experience with getting the news that I am pregnant. Uh, So I'm trying to imagine here, uh, especially pregnant with the Son of God, just hasn't happened. So I hope it never does, really. Uh, So I have to imagine, though, there's a few kind of responses that would be reasonable in this, with this kind of news, you know, screaming, uh, crying hysterically. There's a biblical precedent for laughing in the face of unexpected and impossible-seeming pregnancy news, like when Sarah, near 100, uh, got the news that she would be pregnant with Isaac. She laughed. So, you know, that's possible. A passing out, I think, also could be a reasonable response to this kind of news, right? Right? But instead, Mary says this crazy thing. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me according to your word. What incredible faith. What unbelievable faith. And so Mary goes and she visits Elizabeth, her relative. And now maybe this was because her and Joseph talked it over and said, you know, Mary, maybe with all this news of the Immaculate Conception, you should go and just kind of lay low for a little bit. Uh, Let this blow over here in town. And so maybe that's what's happened. Uh, Maybe it was because Mary just was having kind of a human moment after that superhuman declaration of faith. And she wanted to see for herself if what the angel said was true. She wanted a sign for herself that God really did keep his promises, and would do what he said he would. So she visits Elizabeth, and she gets that confirmation right away because Elizabeth, once barren and unable to have kids, is pregnant. And turn with me to uh, Luke one forty-five, and we're going to see something that Elizabeth says. It's also going to be up on the screen here. I want you to read it with me. So when you got it, say, I got it. Got it? Okay. So here we go. Luke 145. Let's read it together. You are blessed 
because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. So this is what Elizabeth is saying to Mary. One more affirmation that Mary is someone special, that God is at work in her life. You see, faith is believing that God will do what he said, trusting that God is reliable, that God keeps his promises. But how can Mary be so certain? After seeming silence for centuries, the people of Israel are still waiting for a Messiah. Why now? Why her? How can that be? We're pretty horrible at waiting ourselves. If you're like me, I mean, maybe not. Maybe you love uh, waiting in traffic. Anybody love waiting in traffic? Or waiting at the doctor's office? Or waiting for your TV show to come on again next week after some like huge cliffhanger ending? Maybe you're waiting for your team to win the big game. I, uh... Yeah, so I've been waiting for a while. We're, I went to Florida State University. We've had a pretty good year this year. Of course, there is an Auburn fan in the back, the girl who, the woman who read scripture this morning. Just, of course that happens. I don't know. It's the luck of Florida State people. So, anyway, so I've been waiting for a while. I went to Florida State. The big game for us of the entire year, the game that we waited for forever, was the Florida-Florida State game. The Florida Gators are bitter rivals from Gainesville, Florida. Oh my gosh, I mean... If we hated somebody, it was them. And I know hate's not a very Christian thing, but I'm only human. So, so we waited. And unfortunately, when I started at Florida State, this guy, Tim Tebow, started playing at the University of Florida. And so if you don't know Tim Tebow, he was kind of a big deal in college uh, athletics and won the Heisman and... Didn't he? Yes. I blocked it all out. Anyways, so... <laughs> So, needless to say, I never saw a Florida State victory against Florida until three years after graduating. And of course, this year we did too. So, 37 to 7, there we go. All right. Go FSU. Anyways, but I hated the waiting, and it was so painful, and there is waiting that's a lot worse than that, I know. But we're horrible at waiting. And yet, lucky for us, the story of God and the story of God's people is a story of waiting. And luckily, though, waiting didn't get to Mary like it seems to get to some of us. And I think that's because she remembered God's story. And so when she sings this Magnificat, that, that song that she responds uh, with in our scripture reading today, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. When she says these things, what she's really doing is affirming the story of God and God's faithfulness throughout the generations. Mary says, He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. So I just want to walk us through a few of those stories to remind us of God's faithfulness. So there's this guy named Noah. And Noah built an ark, waiting for God to bring some water so this ark would actually be meaningful and not just kind of this weird thing on his lawn where everyone else thinks he's some crazy guy. And so finally the waters come, and the floods come, and all other life disappears except for Noah and his family and two of every kind of animal on the ark. But then 
They end up waiting for 150 days and the water is still there and they've got to start wondering at some point, like, God, did you forget about us? Like, there's not really much we can do on the ark and I'm sure it's starting to smell bad, so, you know, this would be rough. But then in Genesis 8.1, we hear, God remembered Noah. And the waters receded and dry land was found again. You see, God did what he said he would. And then God makes a promise to Abraham a while later and says, you know, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the heavens. The only problem is Abraham's 75 years old. Uh, His wife is advanced in age and they have no kids, which makes the whole descendant thing kind of difficult to imagine. So Abraham follows God, though, trusts and believes in this promise. And 25 years later, at the age of 100, we hear this. The Lord kept his word and did for Abraham and Sarah exactly what he had promised. God did what God said he would. And then years later, as the descendants of Abraham began to multiply, they found their way to Egypt And they lived in prosperity and continued to multiply and so much so that the king of Egypt kind of got worried and he put all of the people of Israel into slavery. And the people of Israel groaned under this weight and this burden of slavery and they were like, how long, O Lord, are you going to just leave us like this forever? And again, God remembers his people and he calls this guy named Moses to shepherd his people from Egypt and from slavery into the freedom of the promised land. God did what he said he would. And we hear these stories continue, and as the story of God continues to unfold, so do the promises of God. And this is what made Mary so certain. She remembered that story of God's faithfulness to Abraham and to his descendants forever. So this morning, I want you to take two questions with you to think about this week. What are you waiting for? And who are you waiting with? What are you waiting for? Maybe it's the birth of your own baby. Maybe it's healing from a surgery, maybe it's chemo, the end of chemotherapy. Maybe it's the beginning of a new relationship or finally finding some community where you can call home. Maybe it's finding a new home or a new job. Maybe you're waiting for a service member to come back from overseas who's been deployed for too long. Maybe it's retirement or grandkids or a proposal from somebody. Maybe it's the end of an addiction. Forgiveness. Maybe it's life purpose that you're waiting to find. In all of that waiting, it is so easy for doubt to creep in. For the mystery of faith and walking with God, sometimes there is silence and the silence is deafening and the silence and what seems to be unanswered prayers, it's so easy to doubt. It's so easy to forget the story. 
John Eldridge has a book called Journey of Desire. And in this book, he shares the story that he read about this Mexican town where they were plagued by insomnia. And so in the story, after weeks and months of sleeplessness, the first thing that starts to go for these people that they start to lose is their memory. And so simple, ordinary objects, household objects become totally foreign to them. And so one man starts to put signs on everything. Walks to his cow, puts a sign on the cow that says cow, just so he doesn't forget. I mean, walks in the house and table, chair, banana. Can you imagine that? Then he puts up this sign later after worrying that maybe he's going to forget a lot more. He puts up a sign that says God exists. Now, Eldridge writes, the first time I read this story, I simply laughed. It is kind of a silly story, but then it haunted me. And on a second reading, I began to realize that it's my story too. Can you imagine in our lives to be here at church and to look around at things and have to like label Christmas tree or coffee in the back because you don't remember what they are? Get over to the donut holes and you're like, what are these? I mean, the day that I forget what donut holes are, that's going to be a sad, sad day, right? But then more seriously, when you're at home and having to put above your bed a sign that says, God exists. Eldridge continues, I wake up most mornings an unbeliever. It seems that during the night I slip into forgetfulness and by the time the new day comes, I am lost. Such is the work of forgetfulness. It cuts us off from life so slowly that we barely notice until one day the blooms of faith are suddenly gone. You see, our faith is forged in our waiting, in our remembering of the story. But sometimes we need a sign to fight our forgetfulness. And God understood this. God understood this, and throughout the ages and throughout the story of God, he sent signs to his people so that they would know that he has not forgotten them. But at Christmas time, that all changed because instead of sending a sign, he sent his son. What are you waiting for this morning? And the second question, just as important, who are you waiting with? That second question, your answer to the second question is going to make all the difference in how you look at and view and respond to the first question. So, I have an embarrassing story to share. Um, I have traveled a lot because uh, my family lives in Orlando and I've been up in Minnesota and Kansas City. And so I fly home a lot. I go through quite a few big airports. But for some reason, I was at the Des Moines airport flying out for a wedding in Pennsylvania just a few months ago. And I missed my flight. I mean, this is the Des Moines airport. There's like two options. You go left or you go right. And like somehow I still messed it up. And I got, and the sad part is, I was at the airport like an hour and 15 minutes early. So don't ask me how this happened, but anyways, so humbling experience, and also 
a horrible experience because I had to wait six and a half hours before my next flight that could get me where I needed to go. And man, if you've ever been delayed or missed a connection, you know like there is nothing worse than waiting in the airport because you don't want to be there. You want to be wherever you're supposed to be going, connecting with your friends and your family and all that kind of stuff. So six hours by myself, man, it would have been an eternity. But luckily there's these things called cell phones. And so I call up my buddy Alex and we get a few other people on the line. And you know, after I tell them my story and they laugh at me hysterically for a long time, and they still haven't quite uh, forgiven me for that and bring it up every once in a while. But talking with them for a good chunk of the six hours made things so much more bearable. You see, having a friend in the midst of your waiting can make things that much more bearable. So in whatever flight-delayed wilderness you are waiting in today, do you believe that God is there? Do you believe that he is there waiting with you? Because see, that's the good news of great joy of Christmas is that God moved into the neighborhood of our waiting just as he promised he would. Let's read together part of that promise in Isaiah 43. Let's read it together. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. No matter what you're waiting for, God is waiting with you. And it's not a promise that there is not going to be pain. It's not a promise that there's not going to be deep waters and fire and all kinds of uncomfortable things. That's not the promise that God sent when he sent Jesus. But his promise was that I will be with you until the end of the age. It doesn't make the waiting any faster. Oh, how I wish there was a way that we could make the waiting faster. For people in my own life who are going through a lot, and waiting for healing from headaches and all kinds of other things, all kinds of other waiting. I wish there was a way that the waiting could go faster, but I cling to the promise that those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And the waiting will somehow be more bearable. So one more Christmas memory for you. So my dad's a pastor in Orlando, a Lutheran pastor. And so I grew up at this church that he still serves at today. And my favorite service of the entire year was Christmas Eve. And it's because of the Christmas Eve candle lighting ceremony at the end. The stage lights, the bright stage lights, they dim down and the flicker of the candle would begin to grow into this radiant glow. And the worship team would sing, O Holy Night. And a little bit through that song, the thrill of hope, say the lyrics. A weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And you see, with those words comes the promise that God is breaking into our waiting. 
that God is breaking into our waiting and walking with us through the deep waters. And he's sitting with us as we wait at the airport or wherever, bearing with us the burdens of this life, sharing the joys and the sorrows and the hurt and the pain and all of our longing. And he's calling us to remember the story. Calling us to hope in that day when yonder breaks a new and glorious morn and God makes all things new. And all waiting comes to an end with the coming again of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.